Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Project Transitions Transition Points. I'm here with Michelle Palmer. How's it going, Michelle? Great. How about you, Brandon? I'm doing fantastic. The weather here is cold and rainy, uh, so it is not a vibe right now. Yeah, same way in Tennessee. <laughs> but like, does it ever get cold in Tennessee, though? Like, yeah. really cold? It got down to nine degrees a couple weeks ago. Nine degrees. Mm-hmm. The internet has lied to me. I always thought it stays hot out over there. No, no, it's right now it stays in the 40s, wow. but there are times it gets down to the 20s and 30s, especially first thing in the morning. Oh my word. Uh, I could, I, uh, I'm, I'm a big covers guy. I love covers. So like the colder, the colder it is outside. I actually turn the heat off inside my apartment so I can have <laughs> like, so I can be more bundled up. It's a weird thing, but I've been like my entire life. <laughs> It is what it is, but yeah. uh, so you are the regional director of SOS out in Tennessee, correct? Correct. Wow. How long have you been doing that? I have been with the company since August of 2016. Wow. Um, however, when I first started with the company, I was just over the East office. Okay. Um, and we just had staffing changes and development within the program and just kind of transitioned into this role where I was over all of SOS. Um, and Another also- natural progression. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, and I was also, when we had our Missouri program, I was operational support for our Missouri SOS program. That was uh, ESOS, right? ESOS, yep. right? Awesome. Yep. So before we get too much into that, I want to talk about, about you. So have you always been from, like, were you born and raised in Tennessee? No. Wow. I have lived a lot of different places. Um, Let's I hear actually, it. Yeah, I was actually born in Charleston, South Carolina. Wow. <clears throat> And the day I was born, my grandpa had a heart, three heart attacks and a massive coronary. Wow. So as soon as I got out of the hospital, I went up to Boston with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and all my, all my mom's family is from Boston. And we lived outside Boston for the first few years of my life. And then we moved to Nashua, New Hampshire mm-hmm. when I was in first grade. And we didn't move to Tennessee until my freshman year of high school. Wow, so you bounced. Yeah, so I've been t- in Tennessee at this point for 22 weeks. 22 give or take years wow so i like to consider boston the massachusetts of uh the massachusetts philadelphia uh because (laughs) personalities we're just we're both very feisty we have an affinity for our for our sports teams and it's the only uh it's the only state where we have like our own like definitive like accents there you know like the south the south has an entire region of accent but like in Pennsylvania and in Boston and like Massachusetts, like very clear accents. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never, because we only lived in Boston for the first few years of my life. I had a little bit of an accent because New Hampshire has a similar accent. Yes. Um, but I've now lived here for 22 years. So my accent's kind of gone away. Do you ever have some Tennessee, Tennessee uh, twangs put in there? Yes, here and there. Um, I've actually got a seven-year-old daughter, and she's got a pretty, pretty southern accent. <laughs> wow! So I hear it with her more so than anything, but occasionally I've got some southern twang in there. That's that's insane. So where did you go to college? Um. So initially, my freshman year of college, I went to Lee's McRae College in Banner Elk, North Carolina. And then I transferred to UT. Um, so I was in North Carolina for a year and then I was in UT at UT for three and a half years, Mm -hmm. graduated with my bachelor's, took some time off, went back and to UT and got my master's in social work from UT. And I'm actually currently, um, in school as well, working on my MBA in healthcare management through Western Governors University. Look at you go. 
That's awesome. All right, what what inspired you to want to go back to school? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like school. I enjoy learning. Um, and with within the um for going back for my MBA. I've kind of already done everything within this role. So um, it's not really anything new mm. that I'm learning. It just gives me credentials to put on my name. <laughs> it, feels like, it feels good the more credentials you have there. I yeah. have the same way with you. Uh, I graduated college uh, well, with my BA and my MS at the same time. And I was like, do I, when I was in college, they were like, so you have good enough grades to do like the, do like the dual program where you do your master's program at the same time as your bachelor's and i'm like do i want to do that and they were like you know more letters at the end of your name it looks that much better i'm like you know what selfishly uh, i will totally do that the more letters the better (laughs) yeah yeah um it and i i knew going into my master's for social with social work was um just to expand my possibilities for career development but with the MBA it's just different approach because I was already doing everything that the MBA MBA includes in particular with healthcare management so a different different perspectives with different degrees absolutely you see it all the time so are you a big Tennessee sports fan well UT yes UT football I'm I'm a huge fan it is my alma uh, alma mater um but when it comes to pro i'm boston through and through boston through and through well, to uh-huh. be fair, the titans aren't that much to, to write home about so it's okay no but i do like mike rabel he is yeah. a previous patriot um so he was great as a player and as a coach for the patriots so i'm a huge fan of mike rabel but i'm still all patriots are you a, like are you a Celtics fan too uh, not as much as I am with football, but I do enjoy the Celtics. Um, my my big moment with the Celtics when I was really big fan when was there um, when it was um, Rondo and the five of them. Oh um, yeah, yeah, like the like between like 2008 to like 2014, like that prime Celtics yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's when I was really big into the Celtics, but I, I do enjoy watching them. I'm not as big of a fan of basketball as I am of football, though. I, I agree with you 100%. Just this, being seeing it, being able to see people like just tackle each other is just 100% better than throwing a ball around. So yeah, <laughs> I, uh, So have you always had an affinity for uh, helping people in our community? I have, because um, prior to coming to Project Transition, I did work at a community mental health center and I did psychiatric admissions at a local hospital. Um, I, I always wanted to help people. I knew I didn't want to get into the physical health side of it. Mm. Um, I also have a, a long family history of, of mental health issues. And so that kind of drove me into wanting to get into the mental health and just the social services in general in the community. So you said you have a long history of mental health in your, in your issues in your family. Are you more, because of that, are you more self-aware of your own mental health then? Yeah, oh yeah, hundred um, percent. I, I have prided myself on being able to cope and manage. Um, mm-hmm. There are, there have been tougher times than others. Um, but also along with the mental health issues, there were a lot of substance abuse issues as well too. So just being aware of that in, in daily life growing up, especially when I became of drinking age and kind of that social aspect, it can, it can be so easy to kind of fall into that trap when it comes to, um, in particular drinking alcohol. Um, and so it just, 
the the self-awareness um, of both the mental health as well as the substance abuse is it was definitely a big thing for me yeah what do you do to keep your mental health like on track or what do you do when you find yourself slipping well i do a lot of um ma- maintaining um self-care i play soccer soccer wow. is a big thing for me um i'm really involved with the soccer community here in knoxville that's great. Um, I've played soccer since I was five, so thirty, almost thirty-two years that I've played soccer, and I continue playing in the adult leagues around town. and And there's a really strong soccer community, so there's a lot of people that I rely on within that community. It's how I met my best friend, um, and we've been friends now for almost ten years. And so it's it's been a huge part of my life, um, and that's a weekly thing that just helps me with self care just to get out there and do something I enjoy. Um, another thing that I enjoy also is I'm a certified scuba diver. You're a scuba diver. I am a scuba diver. You talk about that. That's awesome. <laughs> I took it as a class in undergrad and got certified two easy credit hours. Wow. Um, and I just help. I stuck around helping with the class. So I go on the dives with the classes and help students get certified. Um, I did get to go diving 2017. I went to the Grand Caymans. Wow. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, so just ask, being in water. <laughs> what's the coolest thing you've seen while diving? Um, my big fascination is with sea turtles. Sea I turtles. love turtles. I love turtles. So I go chasing after turtles when I see them in the water. That's so cool. I'm so incredibly jealous that you have your certified scuba diver. Uh, I don't mess with the water. I mean, uh, there's a reason why I became a soldier and not a sailor. I just... <laughs> So the ocean like freaks me out. So I would like much rather watch like a horror film, like uh, like The Conjuring and all that alone, as opposed to watching like Jaws or like <laughs> or like to me the Titanic is a horror film. Like I just the concept of being in open water just scares the living crap out of me. See, I just just looking at water and everything underwater and just seeing it is just so fascinating and so relaxing for me. Yeah. Um, and being in the water is just a whole nother level. Um, yeah. It's just I, I've been I got certified in 2007. So I've been diving for over 15 years. Um, and so it's it's definitely something that it's an expensive hobby. Yeah. But it is it is very relaxing and just being underwater just kind of floating around seeing everything is wonderful i've been told it's like being in space without being in space it's like fully immersed inside something and everything being surrounded or all around you it's just yeah 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 very much so oh, one day brandon one day <laughs> um, you gotta get over that fear of water first <laughs> i mean like, my, like i have no problem like swimming or like going like buggy boarding and stuff like that in the ocean but like fully like submerging myself into that ocean no like I just I can't I can't do it oh and it it was wonderful when I was in the Caymans I ended up getting down so Cayman laws you can't go deeper than 100 feet whoa and so I was just a second (laughs) you lost me at like eight feet bro no thank you I was just I caught myself going on the outside of a reef next thing I know I'm at like 105 110 and they're like get up get up get up (laughs) wow have you ever done like free diving I have not. I am not very good when it comes to being able to hold my breath. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you're blowing bubbles too while you're doing it as well, but it's just never something that's really interested me. Uh, no, th- no, thank you. More, <laughs> power, no, more power to you, but like if I ever go, I'm going to have to have you as my teacher because like uh, I just I, I can't right now. No, thank you. <laughs> 
so besides doing death defying stunts like uh diving in 100 feet of water what other things do you do um a lot of times it's just spending time with my daughter um she's a big part of my reason for living she helps me get by every day um but even just hanging out at home or relaxing spending time with friends every friday I go to my best friend's house and we play cards and have dinner and just hang out. And so it's just a lot of the social interactions help me with getting through day to day. Um, I guess that's why I'm a social worker because I love social. <laughs> well, I, I, and I found that when I, I found that I really need that social interaction for my mental health to be good. I found that during the early stages of COVID when we weren't allowed to leave, my mental health like deteriorated because I wasn't able to see anybody. Uh, I couldn't be face to face. It was just, it was intense. So yeah. uh, if it wasn't for COVID, I would have never really considered myself to be uh, that kind of person. Yeah. COVID, COVID was really hard, especially yeah. because soccer stopped. And um, so a lot of those day-to-day things that I did just weren't happening because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and so it, it was, it was definitely very hard. Um, and it was my first time ever having to work from home. And so not getting up and going to the office and living that daily life as an adult yeah. really, really took a toll on, on my mental health as well. And just trying to get back to where, where I was. Yeah. So do you have to, uh, so it seems like routine plays a big part in your life, you know, seeing your your friend every Friday and then doing your weekly soccer games. Uh, did you have to create a brand new routine during COVID then? No, um, it was, it was tough because I felt like it, it made me be a very lazy person because I wasn't doing anything. Um, I literally was just sitting at home all day, yeah. every day. Um, luckily there was some routine cause the school, my daughter went to, um, she was in preschool when COVID first hit. So school ended early, but when she went into kindergarten that, that fall, um, she was back in person. So there was not that, that virtual component of school for her. So I still had that routine of getting up, getting her ready for school, taking her to school. And then I would just come back home and just work. And, and it was, it's very blah for lack yeah. of a better term. <laughs> And you had to put on this face for your daughter, right, too, so she doesn't worry and keeps things as normal as possible for her, too, right? Yeah, definitely. But a lot of our interactions, we were doing what we could, having fun, um, just just existing together and, and interacting and all of that. So that was a good distraction from me just sitting at my, my kitchen table, dining room table every day working. And yeah. um, so it definitely helped with giving me something else to do. I think the whole existing together aspect is a really great point to think to lean on. Uh, you don't always have to do things. Sometimes the best thing to do is just to exist, you know, like yeah. what you can do to get by. Yeah, exactly. And there's no harm in that. So I see you bending down a lot to shush your dogs. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your dogs and your love? Sure. For them? Well, that that moment was because they managed to get the bowl of cat food. Oh, no. And they were carrying it around. So I've got three dogs three dogs one of them um he is a nine-year-old um boxer great dane mix okay so he's the one that pulls everything off so he's the one that got the bowl of cat food off the <laughs> counter it was on yeah and then i've got two puppies um one of them's actually my boyfriend's puppy she is a seven month old blue healer blue tick coonhound mix Aww. she is beautiful um yes. but she, she's still growing um yes. and then the third dog is he's 
12 to 14 weeks old. Um, he, I think, is a beagle um, terrier mix. Yeah. And I've got a funny story about him. Love to hear uh, it. I, I just got him end of November, beginning of December. Um, I had a beagle that I, he was my first baby. And I had to put him to sleep back in August, I want to say it was. Um, and it was the first animal I personally had to put to sleep. And so it was really hard on me. Um, he was my first kid because I had him long before I had my daughter. Yeah. Um, well, then my mom picked up and moved to Phoenix, Arizona back in April. And she asked me to keep one of her dogs that she had. Um, and she was a nine-year-old Redbone Coonhound. And she was actually a rescue from the Gatlinburg wildfires. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we got her out of coming out of the wildfire. So a lot of trauma and a lot of behavior management with her when we we took her in. So she was a family dog. Um, so I had the two of them and then we put the beagle to sleep. And then um, I came home from a visit one day and there was vomit all in my upstairs. And my older sister works at a vet's office. So I sent her a picture and I said, hey, what's going on? Um, she told me to bring her in. Well, when I first got the puppy, because the puppy came um, after I put the beagle to sleep, and I was like, my beagle's name was Ziggy. I was like, Ziggy sent him for some reason. There's a reason Ziggy sent him. I don't know what it is, but Ziggy sent him. Well, then when I took the Redbone Coonhound to the vet, it turned out she had a mass on her heart. Oh, no. And so we had to make a hard decision and suddenly put her to sleep. And then yes. it all kind of clicked that that's why Ziggy sent this puppy to me because he knew this was going to happen. They wanted her to be alone, right? Yep. So it was, it was very special to me um, yes. because I've had dogs my whole life and I've had cats my whole life and I've, I'm a very big animal person. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard putting animals to sleep, but we're their whole life and they're only a part of our life. And so I want to make my animals' lives the best they can be while I have them. Yeah. Um, so it's always transitioning. I always have <laughs> new animals coming in. One day I hope to have a farm. <laughs> Ideally, a farm would be amazing. A farm with like free roaming animals, lots and lots of pigs. I don't care if they grow up to be a like hundred, two hundred pounds. I'm having pigs, right? Like I, <laughs> I love to be a pig. Um, yeah, I want chickens, pigs, and cows. Listen, the way egg prices are going right now, I think we need as many chickens <laughs> as possible. I live in an apartment complex, and I, I might just uh, create one in our grassy knoll outside. So I'm sure everybody would appreciate that. <laughs> you know what? Uh, you got to do what's best for everybody. Um, uh, speaking of dogs, you were talking about that. On my uh, putting dogs to sleep, I know this is going to take a really sad turn, but my dog, uh, my family dog, uh, we had to put her to sleep the day before my first day of work. Right? Like, oh, wow. like, like that night um they were like yeah we have to go put her to sleep like it's we uh it's her her cancer kicked in like that fast like we didn't know and i'm like all right all right this is what we got to do yeah so that's for greta um and like we were all like crying right because it's really really sad and so we go and luckily the we took her to the hospital and the hospital was like open like 24 7 and it's really great and then we got to spend all this time with her up until like the last like the last seconds right and then it was by the time we were done, it was like four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I start work in four hours. <laughs> so I went back, I got dressed, and I literally just 
uh, threw something on, like kind of like halfway decent, and I drive into work, and I'm like bawling my eyes out the entire way to work, and then I get in the parking lot, and I slap my face, and I'm like, okay, we're good, we're good, we're good, and I walk into the front door and say, hi, I'm Brandon, today's my first day of work. Um, I was totally not bawling the entire way here, so, but it's certain things like that are really make us or break us, and we can't let us yeah. break like us yeah definitely it's the best thing for their quality of life i know with my beagle it had been a few before we had decided to put him to sleep but it was to the point he couldn't stand up and he was laying in his own urine and just no quality of life and it was just what was best given he was 14 so it doesn't matter if we have for doesn't matter if we have him for 10 hours or 10 years you just gotta give him the best life possible right yeah yeah my parents actually had a dog that they only had nine, 10 months, I want to say. Um, but she was having um, nine, 10 seizures a day. Oh wow! And they couldn't get it under control. And it just, there was no quality of life. And so it's, it's so hard when things are sudden with putting animals to sleep, if it's expected, it's a whole lot easier to process. It's the same thing with adults too. People in our, our loved ones in our life, like if it's ex- expected, it's a whole lot easier to process it than when it's sudden. Absolutely. Uh, to transition to something a little, a little happier, right? Uh, you do say you spend a lot of time with your daughter, right? Um, yes. What are some things that you guys do together that like really make you that like that put you in a, like a good headspace? Um, really, just being around her in general. Um, she's she's my only child, so she's very independent. Um, she's able to self soothe and keep herself busy but there's times that she wants to do my hair and do my makeup and yeah um so she she really enjoys doing that um she's she is a competitive cheerleader right now wow so she loves doing her back bends and her cartwheels and working on different tumbling stuff and so she got a mat for christmas and so i help her with that a lot um she used to like soccer <laughs> So we would kick a soccer ball around and play, but really just anything with her. She's a happy, she's a happy kid. She's a good kid. Um, so just being around her makes me happier no matter what we're doing. Happy and healthy is all that matters, right? Yep. hundred percent. So I would love to transition to project transition. I'd love to transition to <laughs> system of support, right? So you've been here for, you've been running the program for about six years now. Um, so can you just give us like a general breakdown of what the program is uh, what the program is why you chose to be part of it different things like that I want well, I, I want it from the heart you know <laughs> so I had never previously I had never worked specifically with individuals that had intellectual and developmental disabilities yes. given working in mental health in general there are individuals with those diagnoses Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not specifically what we're working on. We're specifically working on their mental health. And that's how it is across the board with every any programming, because until recently, there were no programs specifically for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So it's definitely um, an area that's growing. But I was I was at a nursing home. I was um, social uh, social worker at a nursing home absolutely hated geriatrics. <laughs> I will never be a nursing home social worker again, <laughs> but it gave me good experience. But um, so I was just looking for jobs and this one popped up and it seemed interesting to me. Um, so it's not that I was looking for a job, not looking for the specific kind of work, um, but I loved the idea of it with it, especially with it being a new program, still growing. Um, 
because I had started when I worked at Helen Ross McNabb, I had started a grant program there. So I got to build a program given we only had the grant for a year. So it didn't last very long, but still being able to build that program, we had amazing outcomes. And so I love the idea of building a program, having those outcomes, showing the great work that it's doing in developing the programs in the area. Um, and so I thought it was a good opportunity. So I came in and I interviewed, um, continued sounding like a great thing and just started managing just the East office. Um, and then things just kind of happened and, and transitioned. And um, then I got to take over running the state operationally and just trying to do what was best for the program, which was a new thing for me. I had never been in this kind of role mm. um, and, and working to develop this program that is a whole new idea because there are no outpatient crisis programs. It's yeah. just something that doesn't exist for anything, no matter what the diagnosis is. So being able to get into the home and be that that crisis support on a different level versus having to call mobile crisis and having to call the ER or 911 and um, being able to help de-escalate people in the home when they're in a behavior or starting to de-escalate um, being able to be that number one person that they call is an amazing idea and it's an amazing feeling to see the outcomes that we have with being able to de-escalate people. Yeah. Um, and so the idea of it is was wonderful. It's funny because when I'm calling new admissions or new referrals and explaining the program, they're like, what is it that you do? And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. we do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Because it's so individualized and it's so much about the person and what they want for their life. So it's it can be a number of different things we do. Of course, the 24-7 crisis line with um, the crisis support is a big part of it. But really, um, for example, I met with a new admission today. She wants to work. She wants to get into peer support services. She wants to utilize what she's dealt with to help other people. She wants to be able to move out of her mom's house and live on her own. Um, given she is a little bit higher functioning. Um, and so we do have those individuals that are nonverbal, that are lower functioning, but still being able to equip the team to manage the behaviors, to have successful life at home, um, because they can't tell us directly what they want to do. Mm -hmm. We do develop that rapport with them. So they are able to communicate with us to an extent. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of people just aren't equipped and don't feel comfortable managing behaviors because of the intellectual or developmental disability. So being able to come in with our expertise and being able to help equip them so they're responding more appropriately to the behavior to be able to de-escalate it because a lot of times and not being able to manage the behavior, the individual themselves is feeding off that energy. So it yes. makes the behavior even worse than it necessarily needs to be. And so being able to come in as a new set of eyes and, and look at the big picture and be like, okay, what can we do as a team to make things better for this individual? Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, there's so many different pieces of, of this program and this concept that I love with, with it being individualized, with having that crisis support, with just being able to be that transition piece because we only work with the individuals for a year and then we step out and the team takes over. Um, so, and then they can still come back to us for that extra support if they need it because of our expertise in what we do. Um, so it's it's just, there's so many wonderful things about, about this program. Absolutely. So I think the, the biggest difference between PT traditional and then PT system of support is for PT traditional, they come to us 
but PTS, PTSOS, they go to, you go to them. Yes. And we are specific. The individual has to have an intellectual and developmental disability. Yes, yes, um, yes. So that's another big difference as well, too. So because we work specifically on the behaviors with the intellectual and developmental disability. And I think by you guys going to them, it helps establish like that, a level of trust there because you're going to them and it finds them in their most comfortable atmosphere. Yeah, hundred percent. And and we we work with individuals anywhere they are. We've had many people that have been homeless that we go Salvation Army or the local um, shelter to meet with them to try to get them get them more stable. We can go to their schools and help the teachers in the schools with managing the behaviors and be part of their IEP, which is the Individualized Education Plan. I yep. believe is what it stands for. Um, we, we go to those IEP meetings to be that extra level of support to help advocate for the individual because we also, along with helping to manage the behaviors, we're helping the individual learn to be able to advocate for themselves as well. And that's a similarity with traditional yeah. um, and helping them to develop the life that they want um, and going to, to their blue sky and helping them really? achieve that blue sky. Yes. So uh, system of support, um, is it like any age group that can be part that can participate in it then? It is. Um, in my years with the company, our youngest has been five and our wow. oldest has been 70. Um, wow. Dr. Dixon did mention there was potentially a two and a half year old that we worked with before, but five is the typical age that individuals do get diagnosed with an intellectual disability or autism or whatever it is. I know that Dr. Dixon has also been a huge advocate for SOS as well, right? Yes, definitely. She's She's been with us since the beginning. <laughs> it's great to see that she's back. She's with us now. So yeah, it's good to have somebody on our side. So yeah, definitely. Especially as we look at expansion and trying to get into other states, it's, it's going to be, it's huge to have her because she was with the development and she, her job was to make systems of support successful from blue care side of it. So, and, and we continue to go grow and continue to be able to help individuals in the community. And she was a huge part of that. And now she's on our side. And it's, that's so amazing, right? Yeah. So, uh, 2023 is a year that we are in now, which is crazy to think that it's 2023 already. Yes. Um, I feel like 2022 just went by just like that. Uh, 2021 went even faster. Um, I'm going to be 30 in two years. It feels like I was just 21 night, uh, yesterday. So yeah. where, where's the time going? Um, yeah. But what are your, some of your resolutions for 2023? Well, I've never been big on resolutions. Yes. Um, it's, it's more so just being a good person and helping my daughter grow into a good person. Um, that's my responsibility as, as her mother is helping her be a good person. Um, and so continuing to do the best I can at being me and being good, um, that's always something I'm working towards and continuing to grow on. No specific resolutions, um, just continuing to be successful and have a good life. I think a long-term goal like that is just as good as, or even better than a resolution. So yeah. valid take, W take. So you're good on that one. <laughs> so Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. You've been phenomenal. And I'm glad we get to learn so much more about SOS because coming from me, I didn't know as much about it as I did today. So thank you for explaining that to us. Yeah, I'm always happy to talk about our program. Um, we, we just kind of float along and do what we need to in the community. And I'm, I'm always happy to talk about something I'm so passionate about. Yes, and you're doing great things. So you don't need to hear it from me, but I'll say it anyways. Keep up the amazing work. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to another great episode of Project Transitions Transition Points. I'll see you all around.